0: Well, people will tell you that absolutely everybody does it. And I think it's probably true. In fact, research would probably bear that out for you. In her research, Dr. Bella DiPaolo found that people do it as often as they brush their teeth, as many as two times a day, sometimes more. One survey asked people which professions they think do it the most, and the findings probably won't surprise you. At the top are politicians, followed closely by salespeople, then lawyers, and journalists. So what is it? It's lying, isn't it? And psychology today said that women and men are equally prone to it. They may lie about different things, but they all lie equally as often. It was interesting to me to note that the children begin to develop the mental capacity to lie at the age of three. And it's about at that age that they begin to realize that they may find some sort of benefit from some sort of deceitful behavior. Maybe they lie to cover up some form of wrongdoing, or maybe they lie to get something that they want, but they learn very early to lie. And research also indicated that by the time a child reaches his teens, he is lying 50% more frequently than all of the other people around him. By the time he reaches the age of 18... His intellect has developed more quickly than his inhibitions. And so what has happened is that translates to even more improved proficiency in lying. So he's gotten really good at it by that time. He has the intellect to craft believable lies, to craft believable stories, but he has not developed the sense of inhibition which causes him to limit activity that he knows is not good for him or that he knows is wrong. And so for that reason, it's at about that same age that you'll see an increase in sexual activity among your children. You'll see that the individual has not fully developed that sense of inhibition, and so his addictive behaviors are more predominant at that point. But it was clear from research parents are the group that are lied to most often. If you can imagine, it seems that 86% of parents are lied to on a daily basis. 86%. If you ever get the sense that your child between the ages of 14 and 24 is lying to you, go with that because statistics prove it's probably true. But I want to ask you, should we expect anything else from our kids? Should we expect anything else from our kids? Of course your kids are liars. And I want to tell you why. Do you know why they're liars? Because their parents are liars. That's what the problem is. The children are liars because their parents are liars. Those adults who were surveyed said that in the course of a normal week, they had deceived roughly 30% of the people with whom they had interacted. 30% of every single interaction contains some form of dishonesty. Teens and young adults lie because their parents lie. Can I tell you something else? Do you know who else lies? The grandparents lie. In fact, as I was reading, I was really surprised to find that the only age group that could rival teens in their frequency of telling lies were seniors. Seniors lie almost as much as teenagers do. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you may be right Peg but with the truth of the matter is they lie more than young children they lie more than young adults and they lie more than other adults the world my friends has a problem with lying did you know that this world has a problem with lying and I believe that that's absolutely true that everyone probably does do it in fact in Jeremiah seventeen nine, we read that the heart is what the heart is deceitful above all things and it is beyond cure the heart is deceitful above all things who can understand it the problem is a heart problem it is deep within man's nature to be deceitful it is deep within man's heart to be a liar and if you've been with us over the last few months You know that the book of Ephesians is divided into two separate sections. The first three chapters tell us how great our position is in Christ, and the last three chapters tell us what that means to us. It tells us how we should behave based on that position. Paul tells us that we should not walk around; we should not conduct ourselves like the rest of the world. The pattern of conduct which guides your lives should be reflective of people who have the great privilege that you have. And then Paul begins to tell us to look and understand that we must conduct ourselves differently than the people who do not know God. That's Paul's instruction. And so last week, the two basic methods we learned about from Paul to, that he used to communicate that how we should not act like other people who do not know God were the positive and the negative. Do you remember that? There was the positive model and there was the negative model. The positive model is the model in which we model a behavior that we want to see emulated. The negative model, on the other hand, was the one where we model a behavior that we do not want to see emulated. And Paul uses both of those. In fact, Christ did that in Matthew 6 as well. You remember that he said, when you pray, this is Jesus speaking, when you pray, don't act like the religious phonies that are all around you. Don't act like those people who pray, where everybody can see them, and they like to use really wordy prayers filled with all kinds of ornate and beautiful words. That's the negative model. But on the other hand, when you pray, go into a private place and pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, that's the positive model. Do you see that? Paul uses that same method. And that's what he's doing in this portion of Ephesians chapter 4. His message to us last week was this. You have been made new. You are different. You have been washed. You have been cleaned. Don't go back out to the garage and put on the same dirty clothes that you wore before you took a bath. Don't wear the same dirty clothes that you had on before you were washed. Rather, you should have new clothes that make it obvious that you've been cleaned. You should wear new clothes that make it obvious that you had a bath. Now, beginning today, and really as we go through the rest of the book of Ephesians, I want you to know that Paul is going to outline for us some very practical behaviors which make it obvious to the world that we have been washed and that we are now wearing clean clothes. So moving forward as we go through the rest of the book of Ephesians, you're going to see clear lines of distinction that are drawn between those who do not know God and between those who do know God. He's going to tell us going forward, now that you have been regenerated, Now that you have been cleansed, now that you have been cleaned, you must begin to do the things that are consistent with people who have been cleaned. You are not new, you are not regenerated because you do these things, rather you do these things because you are new. You do these things because you have been regenerated. And then for the next seven verses here in Ephesians chapter 4, he catalogs all the different behaviors from which those lines of distinction are drawn. So today we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4 and we're going to take a look at verse 25. But today we're only going to have, because of time, we're only going to have time to deal with the very first one. But this is a good one and this will give you plenty to think about for the rest of the week. Because Paul starts off hitting us right between the eyes with one of the most common problems of humanity. Look at verse 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Some translations here say having put away lying, which I think is pretty straightforward. Think about it like this. Imagine this with me, because I know none of you have ever done this, so you just have to imagine this, right? My wife answers the phone, and she says, Scott, it's so-and-so. And I'm standing there in a kitchen getting, you know, I'm really engaged with a sandwich, and uh, I really don't want to talk to the person on the other end of the line, so what do I do? I say, tell him I'm in the shower. Pretty simple, right? Am I lying? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I'm lying. It's very clearly a lie. And I can remember as a kid, my parents loved to remind me of Revelation 21.8. Many of you know this, I'm sure. But my parents' paraphrase sounded like this, all liars go to the fires. That's how we used to say it. All lies. Scott, are you telling me the truth? Just remember, Revelation 21.8 says all liars go to the fires. And I I don't want to go to hell any more than the next guy, you know. And so I I listened to that and and let it take root. And as I thought about it, I thought, well, okay, that's, that's no problem for me. You know, I'm not going to lie. I'll just be creative. Let me give you an example. I'm in the kitchen, and I'm really engaged with my sandwich. The phone rings. My wife answers it. And she says, Scott, it's so-and-so. And of course, I'm standing there eating, and I don't want to talk to him. And I say, tell him I'm in the shower. That's a lie, right? But not if I run to the bathroom real fast and jump in the shower. <laughs> Am I right about that? Don't tell me you've never done that. But that's how it works. See, I just got really creative. I said, I'm not really lying because I am actually in the shower, aren't I? That's true. I'm not telling a lie. That's the way it really is. Well, if you had asked me as a kid, I would have said, no way, I'm not lying, man. That's truth. That's the way it is. But you see, the problem with this verse is that it's not best to translate it as lying. Do you know how we should translate this verse? It's best to be translated as falsehood. There's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between lying and falsehood. You see, this word is a little bit different than just lying. It's the word pseudos. It's the word pseudos, which means anything that's not true. Things that are not true. So it's not just lying as I determined it to be as a kid. It's not just lying in its most technical sense, which I learned to get around when I was a young guy by being, you know, very innovative in my behavior. It's all things that are not true. So listen to me, friends. When the phone rings and I jump in the shower, is that lying? No, it's probably not lying technically, but is it pseudos? It is absolutely pseudos. I was trying to misrepresent the situation in a way that made people on the other end of the phone believe something that was not true of me. Isn't that true? It was falsehood. I was good at this one too. Scott, did you brush your teeth? Sure did. Like three days ago. Was I lying? No, I brushed my teeth three days ago. Was it pseudos? It was absolutely pseudos. Why? Because I was misrepresenting the truth. I knew what they were getting at. And from a kid's perspective, teenagers, I know this is true. Kids, I know this is true. Technically speaking, you feel like you're not lying because I had brushed my teeth. But I want you to know that it is falsehood. I'm trying to misrepresent the situation in a way that it makes my parents believe that I brushed my teeth tonight and I'm doing it deliberately. So we do well to think of pseudos As more than just lying, it's falsehood. Let me challenge you with another one. What about exaggerating? What about exaggerating? I mean, is that lying? Probably not in the mind of a liar. This is a good one. I find that the older I get, the more this form of falsehood, the more this form of pseudos applies to me. I mean, if my kids ask me about a time that I was playing ball as a young man and I recount it for them, I mean, the home runs get longer and longer. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the defensive plays are more and more spectacular. I could just fill a whole entire ESPN highlight reel. You know, I tell the story in a way that makes it sound great. I was fantastic, man. It was the greatest play you've ever seen in your life. Because I want my kids to think highly of me. So I build myself up by telling them stories that while they may be true, I'm stretching them just a little bit. Not much, by the way. Just a little bit. To make them think that I was greater than I actually was. It's the old fisherman syndrome, right? I caught the fish. They just continued to grow after I caught them. Isn't that how it works? It's pseudos. It's falsehood. What about overstating your position so that you can gain leverage in a negotiation? How about that? Is it pseudos? Is it falsehood? What about looking at someone else's paper in school, kids? Is it lying? Probably not technically. But is it Pseudos? Is it trying to take credit for something that was not yours? Is it falsehood? Is it trying to misrepresent yourself? Absolutely it is. What about flattery? Hmm. How about building people up so that you can get what you want from them? How about saying things that you don't really feel in your heart? Because there's something to be gained from that. Have you ever done that? Maybe you say something you don't really feel in your heart so that you can come off sweeter than you really are. Kinder than you really are. It's falsehood. What about allowing the clerk at the store to give you more change than you've got coming? Are you lying by doing that? Is it falsehood? It's absolutely falsehood, isn't it? Friends, what about the falsehood of omission? I didn't lie, I just didn't tell all the details. You ever do that? I didn't lie, I just didn't... I just didn't tell it all. We do this stuff all the time, don't we? You don't need me to stand up here and tell you this. We're filled with pseudos. We're filled with falseness and we love to deliberately mislead somebody into believing something that is not true. And then we like to be creative and find ways around it. So I wonder if you think about it, are there areas of pseudos in your life? Do you have areas like that in your life today? Maybe none of the things that I shared from you just now which happened in my life resonate with you, but I wonder, do you have your own forms of pseudos? Do you have your own forms of deceiving people? Do you have your own methods of skirting the truth and trying to get around it? I started our discussion today by saying that if you ever brought it up in conversation, people will tell you that everyone lies. I want to ask you again, is that true? Well, it certainly is true of those people who do not know God. That's the norm in our society, isn't it? Lying, deceit. And as I thought about it, I thought, you know, people who don't know God do it so often that if they were to all stop lying today, I suspect that we would have complete and utter chaos. Governments would be toppled. Nations would fall apart. Social media would be completely devastated. Marriages and families would be destroyed. The non-God-knowing world Operates on an entire structure of lies. They operate on an entire structure of lies. I want to take you back to Revelation 21:8, my parents' favorite verse. Parents, you may want to memorize this one, but follow along here. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters and what, how many liars? And all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and with sulfur, which is the second death. Listen, a burning lake of fire and sulfur, which is the second death, what is that? That's hell, isn't it? The burning lake of sulfur and fire, that's hell. Who are the people who go to hell? Who are the people who face the second death? Who are those people? Do believers go to hell? No, they don't, do they? People who do not believe in Christ are the ones who go to hell. People who do not know God are the ones who go to hell. Listen, as you see in Revelation 21.8, liars are among those people who go to hell. So which people are characterized as liars according to Revelation eight? Those people who do not believe. But what does Paul say in verse 20 of Ephesians 4? That's not the way you learn Christ. That's not the way you learn to behave yourself. I taught you differently than that. That's the way they do it at the temple of Artemis. That's not the way we do it here. That's not the way the people of your position should behave. Those are the old clothes that you used to wear before you were washed. Those are the old clothes that you used to wear before you took a bath. Now that you're clean, why Why would you go back and put those dirty clothes back on? Why would you do that? You're different than you used to be. For the believer, that's not what we do. There's no place in the Christian life for liars. There's no place in the Christian life for people who perpetuate falsehood. There is no place for people in the Christian life who are pseudos. Believe me, I'm not saying that I never lie. I'm not saying that I have never had a moment of pseudos or a moment of falsehood, that it has never popped up in my life. I'm not telling you that. But listen to me, when it comes to the believer, this is not a pattern of life. When it comes to the believer, this is not a pattern of life for you. We miss the mark from time to time, but friends, we repent and we turn from it and we move on. Lying is not the pattern of life of people in your position. I want you to know that. It's the pattern of life for people who go to hell. People who are saved don't go to hell. So, listen, if your life is characterized by an unbroken pattern of falsehood, as is the life of those who go to hell, you have reason to wonder if you're saved. Rather, verse 25, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Rather, speak the truth with one another. You see those people over there? You see those people who are going to hell? Don't be like them. Don't do what they do. Don't ever walk around lying and practicing falsehood like all those people who are going to hell. Rather, on the other hand, speak to each other with truth. Speak to each other with honesty because we are all one body. The body which has one member lying to the other members of the body is going to experience a great deal of pain and confusion. Think about that for a moment. What would happen in your body if the members lied to one another all the time? In your physical body, Can you imagine that? No body can function properly if the members or if the senses of the body are lying to the other parts of the body. When that happens to your physical body, you go to a doctor and you have it diagnosed, don't you? When that happens in your physical body, you have it treated. It's a problem. But, friends, I want you to know it's an even bigger problem in the body of Christ because the stakes are eternal. It's a much bigger problem. The problem is that there are people in the body of Christ, and maybe even there are people in your own home who see this as carte blanche to run around saying whatever destructive thing comes to their mind. After all, I'm just telling it the way it is. Right? I'm just telling the truth. I'm just telling you the way that I see it. You know how that sounds, don't you? Have you ever heard anybody say that? I'm not going to lie. I'm not a liar. I'm not being rude. I'm just telling you the truth. Or maybe... You know me. I don't hold anything back. I like to tell the truth. And so we use this command from Paul to speak the truth with our neighbor as an excuse to spit out venom and to spit out poison and to tear down and to destroy and to hurt feelings and to harm other people in the body of Christ. And then what we do is we say, well, it's hey, I'm just telling the truth. I want to take you back to something we learned a couple weeks ago in verse 15. What's it saying? Rather... Speaking the truth how? In love. And then what does he go on to say? We are to what? Grow up. Speak the truth in love. And grow up. What kind of love do you think this is? This is the agape form of love. The love of the will. The love of the sacrifice. Paul is telling us that if we speak the truth any sacrificial love, if we speak the truth in a way that prefers other people above ourselves, if we speak the truth gently and sacrificially in a way that does not offend, then we build up the body. We speak as though we were mature. We speak the truth as though we speak through a spirit of humility and lowliness. We speak the truth through a spirit of meekness and gentleness and patience and long-suffering, don't we? And long-sacrifice... So listen, if you're speaking to your neighbor in the body of Christ from any other vantage point, though you may feel that you're just trying to keep from being false and you're trying to keep from lying, I want you to know that you need to repent and you need to ask for forgiveness. Why? Because we're all members of one another. We're all members of the same body. How could your hand ever act to inflict damage to your eyes on purpose? What if you're Teeth decided they were going to begin to destroy your arms. Isn't that foolish? Yet we do that to one another in the body of Christ and we don't give it a second thought. We do it to one another all the time. We say things to other people in the building. We say things to other people in the church of God. We say hateful things about people. And by doing that, we're harming other members of the body. And then we say, take it up with him. I'm just telling the truth. Isn't that how we do it? But what does Paul say? That's how they do it at the temple of Artemis. That's how the non-believers do it. That's how the people who don't know God do it. But you, how could you hurt another member of the body of Christ? Love sacrificially. Love sacrificially. Endure the wrong. Don't use the Truth to tear down, use the truth to build up and to encourage and to build up the body of Christ until we all reach the full measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So I just want to challenge you this morning to consider, first of all, the falseness in your life. Is there falseness in your life? Is there? Are you misrepresenting anything in your life? Expense accounts, taxes? Is there falseness? And I want to challenge you, if there is, Paul's instruction to us is you need to strip it away and you need to throw it off because that is not fitting for people of your position. It's not fitting for people of your position to wear dirty clothes. Those are the clothes of the people who are going to hell. Rather, speak the truth from a heart of love to the building up of the body of Christ and the edification of the people at Root River Church. Speak to the edification of the greater body of Christ and the people of Milwaukee and of the church of God. We speak to build one another up. That's not how You were taught Christ. Father, I thank You for being so good to us. We thank You that You have mercy on us and You have patience with us. Had You endure patiently wrong attitudes in our life. God, I just pray that you would convict our hearts, that you would point out any areas of falseness, because we want to represent you well. We want to honor you by our behaviors and by our thoughts and by the words that come out of our mouths. God, let us never use our words to destroy other members of the body of Christ, but let's build them up and let's edify them and make them strong, that they may mature and may become strong in the word and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you now for this ministry to the foster kids in Milwaukee. I thank you for RFK, and I thank you for the ministry that they do to build up these young people, these young children, who aside from your grace and your mercy really don't have much of a chance. But your grace and your love for them reaches into even the most dysfunctional families and neighborhoods, and your Holy Spirit can overcome any evil. And so, Lord, I just pray that as we partner with RFK moving forward, that it would be a time of fruitful ministry, that there would be children right, from, right here from the city of Milwaukee who are made strong and who grow up to be people who are willing to share the word and share the truth of Jesus Christ in love with the members of their family, that there could be more people coming to a place of repentance and right standing before you.